Do you want to know what it takes to work as a high-performing executive assistant? You'll find out when you listen to the EA Campus podcast. Join me, Nikki Christmas, the founder of Practically Perfect PA and the EA Campus, for a weekly interview with successful assistants who all have first-hand experience and lessons to share on what it takes to excel in the role. Tune in, get inspired, and learn how to create an assistant career where you are valued, motivated, and ready to face every challenge head on. Whether you are an assistant just starting in your career or prepared to move to the next level, building a successful assistant career just got a little easier with the EA Campus podcast. Hi everyone and welcome to the next episode of the EA Campus podcast. Today we are joined by Sean Alfonso. Thank you so much for joining us, Sean. Hey Nikki, thanks so much for having me. I'm grateful to be here. We like to get started with a run rundown of your career to date. So why don't we start with that and then I'm sure I've got tons of questions to ask you afterwards, but why don't you let us know a little bit about what you've been up to? Sure. Thanks. I've had a pretty diverse career, to be honest. I started when I was still in high school. My parents started a family business. It was a courier company. And that was my first attempt at work. My my dad ran the business. My mom was an admin for most of her life. And she taught me how to help my dad run his business. It was everything from working with customers to doing sales to running the insides of the business, learning new technologies, all that kind of stuff. I started there. I worked there two summers, tried to take everything I could from my mom. And then I got into university. And when I went to university, I actually had to find my own role. And I found that working as an uh, admin in one of the campus offices at the University of Toronto. Again, very simple administrative stuff, filing working with students, answering student inquiries, helping professors with administrative work, that kind of stuff. And when I graduated from university, oh, I did that for about three years. And when I graduated from university, I realized that maybe it wasn't as exciting for me as it once was being an admin. So I started working as a barista at Starbucks and I got really into it. I felt like I wanted to run my own business. In about six years, I did become a store manager, worked my way all the way up to running two Starbucks stores, two of the busiest stores in Canada, and and things were going really well. And then I got a phone call from a recruiter who presented me with an office manager opportunity at a tech company. And I thought, you know what, I think I've learned as much as I could at Starbucks. And it was intriguing to go back to a more administrative role and and take some of the learnings I had running a business. And that's what I did. That led to an EA role. And over the course of the last five years, I've developed into working as an executive business partner at a tech company slash VC firm right now. That is a... I like the side, the Starbucks sidestep. I would imagine that working really in any customer-facing role, would the skills that you learn in, in, in that area of work would, do, would help you so much in the assistant role. What are some of the skills that you learn in your career at Starbucks that, that have helped in your current EA role? Two big ones come to mind. The first one is 
people. You meet a lot of people. And we would have, we'd be meeting a thousand plus customers in a two hour span. So we're moving very quickly in the Starbucks world. And you have to do it in a way where you actually get to know people. I was working at, I was managing the Starbucks at Sick Kids Hospital. So you tend to meet a lot of nurses, doctors, but also a lot of parents who are going through a very difficult time. Working there taught me how to manage running a very quick business, but while also focusing on the people that rely on that business for even just peace of mind. So that was the first thing. And the second thing is how to run a very fast paced business, all the intricacies of that. So managing people, managing inventory, managing just a workspace, managing a P&L and being good at it. So those are the two things I learned from Starbucks that I've been able to apply in the role here. Yeah, I bet nothing phases you after that, <laughs> working in, a, in such a fast-paced environment like Starbucks. I can only imagine the things that, yeah, you would the conversations you would have had and the kind of different conversations and, and challenges that would have come with that role. So yeah, I would imagine anything now is just much easier. <laughs> yeah, I've been through a difficult a difficult career already, but I wouldn't say nothing phases me. There are definitely things that do phase me, but it's just a matter of learning how to deal with those things as they pop up. So can you tell us a little bit about the role that you're in now? You said it was for a VC company. So what are some of the main aspects of the role that you do now? Yeah. For those who may not know, I I work at a venture capital firm. So we invest in, in SaaS technology companies. And we're more than that. We're also a technology company in our Right. So we build technology and we use advisory to help our companies grow and improve and to help our entrepreneurs. My role is very much behind the scenes. And I split my time between the investment team that makes the investing decisions and the marketing team that helps to find the right companies to invest in, but also that operates as a marketing team in a day-to-day basis. So I support one lead investor who signs off on decisions and drives the team to make those. I support the head of the marketing and growth team, and I support a couple of investors. The more exciting part of my job is also driving the marketing team as their agile coach. A big part of working at this company for the last three and a half years now, actually three years, has been learning how to be a little bit more indispensable. And my leader on the marketing team, he loves people and he loves working with people and developing talent. And he helped me see that a big part of my role could be finding ways for the team to work better together using this project management skill set and my learnings that I've done in Agile. So I get to spend quite a bit of time every day working with the team being their facilitator, teaching them how to work better, teaching them new ticks and tricks and techniques and that kind of stuff. That's fantastic. I love that. And I will definitely pick up on that because I would imagine that you use that in your own role as well to manage your own time. And I know there'll be a lot of people listening right now that will be thinking, please come back to that because any help Mm -hmm. with time management, it would definitely be welcome. So I'll park that for now and I'll I'll come back to that. But it sounds like it's a busy role. One of the things we like to do on the podcast is find a little bit about each of our guests' personal lives as well. We always like to start in the morning. So why Mm -hmm. don't you just tell us what your morning routine looks like and how you get yourself prepared before you come into the office? Yeah. My morning routine usually looks like waking up in the morning and meditating first. I've been doing this for about a year now and I found it 
really works for me. It's just 10 minutes. I'm just getting centered and grounded in myself, calming down my mind. And usually my morning starts the previous night, which is when I write down a few key priorities that I need to focus on in the next day. And I found the day, the nights that I don't do that, the meditation is really difficult. Ensuring that I've done that, meditating in the morning. And then I usually work out three days a week, first thing in the morning. The workout tends to be going to the gym for an hour and putting in a little bit of focus time down there, working on my body. So focusing on my mind, focusing on my body, then it's eating a good breakfast and then just showering and getting to work. I'll usually listen to an audiobook while I'm working out and in my commute, just to, again, get me focused on the real part of life. And then work starts when I get in the office. I try to not focus on work until I'm there. That's good. And is that, do you notice the difference when you don't have that routine? Do you notice it, it's like that's like the perfect routine for you to be productive throughout the day once you hit work? Yes, definitely. There are some days where I just can't get to meditating, for example, if I feel like I need to be in the office a little earlier to deal with something. I usually know the previous night. But I usually re- notice as, as soon as I get to start working, I haven't had that moment of grounding that I normally have. Same thing with the exercise. It is a big energy boost that starts my day. So when I don't have that, I do notice it. But I just try to get right back to it the next day um, and be on top of that. And then how do you set yourself up for the rest of the day in terms of kind of time management and knowing what's happening across the day for you? Like I said just a moment ago, I like to make sure that I do that the previous night. And all it is, it's very simple. I just get everything out of my head. I look at my calendar for the coming week or the coming days, and I just get everything out of my head. And then I prioritize what are the three to four things I would like to get out of the coming day. And that's not just at work, but also across personal life. And I know that anything more than four is more of a wish list than it is a prioritized list of things. So I try to make sure I have every day start with a prioritized list of things that I would like to get done that day, knowing full well things don't go according to plan. So as long as I get three to four things done that I really want to do, then I'm happy. And they aren't big things. They're usually very small things that I can throw in. The other part of that is also as soon as I've done prioritizing, I actually plan those things. So I make sure to get them in my calendar. If they're not in my calendar, it's not getting done. And that goes for everything, including my personal care, waking up in the morning and meditating. That's also in my calendar. Every single thing goes in the calendar and I try to operate off that. You find the most productive people do that kind of time blocking calendar management as well. It's certainly something that I really try hard to do as well. It doesn't always happen. Yeah, exactly. As you said, if it's not in the calendar, then it's probably not going to get done. So yes, it's such a good tip for people who maybe want to get a little bit more organized in their day. Could you tell us a little bit about what an average day looks like? I know that's really hard. I always say this to assistants. I know it's really difficult. No, No day is the same. But just give us a sense of the pace. I think some of the tasks that you tend to do across the day. My, I usually start each morning with our marketing team. We start on Mondays with just an overview of the week. I've already, by this point, led the team through planning 
understanding what their the next couple of weeks look like for them. So the first thing in the morning is just a quick overview of what needs to get done during the week and anything that's getting in their way that I can help with. And then after that, Mondays are usually focused on driving the business. So it's get into my email, make sure I've caught up following the weekend. The rest of the days of the week start with email too, but they're not as busy. Ensuring that I've responded to everything that I needed to, ensuring my team's calendars are up to date and reflect what they need to be working on. I also start my week with one-on-ones with the people I support, ensuring that they know what's going on this week and ensuring that I'm on the same page with them in case I need to step in and adjust things. And then it is like flying by the seat of my pants. So it usually things pop up on very short notice. Things need to be scheduled, all that kind of stuff. So making sure that uh, I'm on top of those things. And then there are a lot of administrative things that come up in my role on a regular basis. So a lot of travel booking, a lot of expense management that needs to happen. And I try to block a little bit of time every day, even if it's an hour, to focus on looking forward and planning to make sure that nothing creeps up on me. This comes in handy, particularly at the end of the week. When looking at the following week, I make sure, especially on Fridays, to have dedicated time to actually build this roadmap of what's coming up in the next week and making it easier to plan on a day-to-day basis. It sounds busy. It sounds like a busy role, but lots of variety, which is really nice. So I wonder what you enjoy most about the role. There's a lot I enjoy about the role. There, I do enjoy the administrative work because it gives me an opportunity to pull out of the hectic pace of things and just focus on on things one at a time as they need to happen. But I also really enjoy working with people and working with the marketing team, helping people learn how to be better at things, helping them develop frameworks, trusted frameworks that that they can use in order to improve how they work, finding ways to coach people on working together across other teams. Uh, I love interacting with other executive assistants. I love interacting with our customer CEOs and people outside of the organization. There are many things that I really enjoy, and I'm lucky that I have the ability to flip in and out of different aspects of the job and enjoy those things. And on the flip side, we don't like to be too negative, but what's the most challenging part of the day? The most challenging thing is that I usually have to be on top of everything, but sometimes the things I plan aren't the, they don't turn out the way that I plan them. And so the challenging aspect is having to understand what is still important, even from last night versus what is more important that pops up right now and having to constantly adjust. Other parts of it, working in tech, working in investing, things move very quickly. Technology changes every single day. And understanding how to put the work I'm doing right now and the work my team is doing right now in the overall context and helping people understand what that context is a very difficult thing. I need to be able to do it myself before I can help others. But it's important to be able to put things in that bigger context because sometimes we can spend hours doing things that won't be relevant the next day. And understanding how to spend my time without wasting it and having people spend their time without wasting it is important. 
So how do you go about doing that? Because I think that's it's such a good point because I think as businesses, particularly in the area that you work in technology, but lots of other areas and industries as well, they're so fast paced that quite often exactly as you said the work that you wonder you do one day can become quite irrelevant within the next day the next week so how do you kind of how do you deal with that i so the most important thing for me when i work is understanding what the immediate picture is as i've planned it so i like to make sure i have a bit of a roadmap so if i'm working with a project on that one of my leaders is working on as responsible for driving then I understand what the roadmap of work looks like over the course of the next couple of weeks, what needs to happen there. And then I keep my eyes and ears open because in every interaction I have with someone, I get a contextual clue about where this project fits in the overall organization. Or I'll get a clue that maybe it isn't as big of a priority as I thought it was at first. Then I have to validate these clues that I get with my leader. So then I take the contextual things and I put it, I bring it to my leader and we talk about these things. We planned that we were going to do these three things in the next couple of weeks, but it sounds like this might've changed in priority. So it's constantly planning, but then listening, understanding the context, and then validating that context with the people I've planned with. And that allows us to least understand how to be flexible and where to be flexible on a regular basis. There's no way to be 100% good at doing this, but at least starting with some kind of overall view and then validating anything I hear is the easiest way. It sounds like communication between you and your executives, the people that you support and work with, is really key to everything you do then. Because I love what you said there about validating the clues that you're getting over the course of your day and your week. So how much value do you place on regular meetings with your executive and just having those open communication channels? A high degree of value. It is so important to at least spend 30 minutes a week with the people I support every single week. I, With my direct leader, it is we don't cancel or move. These are like... Critical, And it's not just for my leader's sake. It isn't just me sitting. There, there was a point last year where all of it was me sitting and looking at what they were doing for the coming weeks. But that has slightly evolved now where we each spend time talking about what we're working on, what's important to both of us in our roles. And my leader helps me put what I'm doing in context of the organization too, because I only get one view of my role. And even though I'm hearing things, I only get my side of the story. So it really helps having that 30 minutes dedicated time to talk back and forth. And sometimes it's more important than we realize because there's a lot of personal things that happen that come up in these 30 minute conversations that then impact the work that we've planned. So we then need to come up with strategic ways to deal with the work, but also allow my leader or myself to deal with personal things that come up. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's something that we talk a lot about a lot in the EA campus and on Practically Perfect PA as well, is just having that open communication. Exactly. You said meetings don't get taken out of the diary when they're between you and your executive because they're so important. I can completely Mm -hmm. agree with you. And so to take a kind of sidestep, I wonder when the laptop shuts down, you leave the office, what do you get up to in your spare time? 
So I'm very lucky to not have a complex home life. I know there are a lot of peers at sport who have families. I don't have children. I do have a husband. And when I get home, it's usually time for me to focus on him. I also support my father and mother, both of them. My father has a disability. My mom has Alzheimer's. So there's a lot of stuff that goes behind the scenes dealing with family. Home time is home time. When, when the laptop shuts down, the first thing I do is I walk home. Uh, it's about a 40-minute walk. Nice. And I like to make sure I get that in because it's a good separation between the physical office and physically being at home. I do take my laptop home. There are things that come up where I need to work and I'll usually check in later in the evening. But as soon as I get home, it's sit down, catch up with hubby. Then we prepare our dinner together. We watch something quick on TV while we eat. And then we try to do something together, some sort of activity. So we love doing Legos, building Legos. We'll build a Lego together. Or we do, we got like a mail order mysteries to solve. So we open an envelope and we solve one of those together. Like it's like you're a spy and you're trying to solve an important case, which is really cool, stuff like that. And then once that's done in the evening, it's planning for the next day. So I try to take 30 minutes every night where I'll write down anything that's in my head then prioritize those things to three to four things. And then it's about preparing, like I'll grab the work clothes I'm going to wear the next day. If I'm going to the gym, I make sure my gym plan is ready. I've got my gym clothes ready to go. I've got my alarm clock set. And then I read a book and slowly drift off to sleep. That sounds lovely. That sounds absolutely, that sounds like a fantastic evening. I'm very jealous. I would, I have kids. So as much as I get to build Lego, it's not on my terms. So. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds delightful. We've got some questions that I like to ask around hmm. advice that you can give to, to our listeners. And we always like to start with just one general piece of advice you give to assistants, maybe who are just starting in their role, who are or have only been an assistant for a few years, there's any sort of general advice you could give? Take care of yourself. It, this is mainly a lesson that I've had to learn over the course of the past couple of years, caring for mom and dad. But you see it when your parents don't take care of themselves, the toll that it takes on them. And you see it even with your colleagues when they don't take care of themselves, the toll that it takes on them. In the role that we're in, we are taking care of a lot of different people and and they have a ton of different priorities. We have a ton of different priorities. If if you have children, that's a ton of new priorities that, that you have. So finding ways to take care of yourself because you're the only person who can take care of yourself. And it could be something small and simple that you do every single day. It doesn't have to be a dedicated routine. It could be a couple things that work for you every day. And so finding ways to take care of yourself is going to be the most important piece of advice I can say. Yeah, it's so important, isn't it? It's particularly in the roles that we have, exactly as you said, where you are taking care of a lot of other people's priorities. You become so much less, or you can become so much less of a priority. So it's, and I think the way that you do it is the best way to do it, particularly for assistants, is to build that into your routine, build it into your schedule so that you have those things in place where you, you don't miss those markers. Like, like you said, 
put your gym, get your gym stuff ready the night before, lay out what you're going to be wearing the night before, just get those things into a routine so you don't forget because it's so easy to when you're caring for other people to forget about yourself. Exactly. And caring about yourself doesn't have to look like big things like going to the gym for an hour. It took a while to get to that point for myself and to get into a routine like that. But it started with five minutes of meditation. That's all it took every morning. And then I found I really liked that. And then I went to the gym one morning and I thought, you know what? I really like this. So I'm going to add this to my routine. I'm going to try that. And slowly adding things, finding out what works for you, what you enjoy, and then doing that on a bit more of a regular basis. That that already is you taking care of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I want to circle back to some of the points that you made at the beginning of the interview around agile working. First of all, I wonder how you, what the reason was for you to learn the sort of agile structure and how you found it useful in your role now. So my passion for agile and project management in general came from some of my last days at Starbucks. I realized that at that point, I wasn't very good at planning in a longer view. I was good at reacting to the way the business was running, but I wanted to be better. So I started reading David Allen's Getting Things Done and just started putting into practice a few things that that I could learn and take into my new role as office manager. And it started with my email, actually, and learning how to manage my email and keep it at zero on a regular basis. And then once I got good at that, then I started learning how to create this regular routine of thinking about all of the things I'm responsible for and what the very next thing I had to do was for each of those things. And the more things I started to bring into view this way, the more I realized I was good at project management and I was good at getting things done. Over the years, that has evolved. So I took on more responsibility. When I was an office manager, I took on the big responsibility of managing the office move and building out of a new office space, which is something that a lot of EAs take on. And I found that to be a pretty incredible opportunity when you're working with a design firm and you're working with a construction crew and learning how they operate and trying to be the glue that keeps everything together. That was pretty fascinating. And then I started taking courses. So again, I've been lucky in my career to have my leaders trust and understand what I'm passionate about and what I'd like to learn and give me an opportunity to take courses that could help me learn further. So I started with taking a couple of project management courses. And then in my role now, I've had a chance to take agile courses. Agile is just a framework for how to work. It really is about working efficiently and effectively to deliver value and do valuable work. It's about spending the least amount of time doing the most valuable types of work. So the learning has helped me apply that philosophy and mindset to everything I do now. I think it's such an important and helpful skill for assistants to learn. We manage so many projects and you don't necessarily think of them as projects. It's just take an event for it for example, it's just something that assistants do. But if you break it down to or use a project management framework around, say, an event, for an example, it makes it so much easier to manage something like that when you've got all of the rest of your work to do as well. So it's something that I think really should be encouraged for assistants to learn 
And it's so encouraging that you work for an organization you have done where your executives and the organizations you work for are encouraging you to learn those things and take those courses. Because I would imagine it's been incredibly helpful for you in all aspects of your role. It really has. And it takes, honestly, it took a bit of time to get to a point where I could say, I'd really like to take this course. Can you approve the budget for it? Because I did the first course and they said, okay, sure, but we'd really like to make sure that you're applying what you learn. And that was a certified scrum master training. And once I did that, there was an opportunity to apply it. And I noticed when we were in a marketing team offsite, the team had all these great ideas, but no idea how to convert ideas into action. And I said, I have a couple ideas. Do you mind if I share some of the things I've learned? And then I started sharing those and the team said, great, can you please help us as a scrum master and teach us how to get to that point? So that led to this new opportunity. And once I finished that opportunity of building out a roadmap and helping people come up with actual plans and creating sprints of two weeks where they could plan to do manageable work in two week chunks of time. And we found that was working. Then it was time for me to learn the next thing and learn how to be a coach. So I found a course and I said, I'd really like to take this course. And these are the learnings I got from the last time I did a course. And here's where I think it could help. And that allowed me to get buy-in from my leaders to say, okay, You clearly know what you would like to do and how to apply it. So from now on, we're on board with allowing you to take courses. That's fantastic. I love that you went to them with a solution and also the problem that the training will help you resolve. I think that's a brilliant piece of advice for any assistant who's looking to take courses or go on any events or anything like that, where they may be a bit worried about asking for budget. So Thank you for sharing that. I know that would be really helpful. The sort of agile framework and the fact that you're a scrum master, I absolutely love scrums and running sprints and things like that. One of my techniques that I use to try and get through the workload that I have and try and get projects done in a short amount of time. So I love that as well. I wonder how you implement any of the frameworks that you use with your team into your work as an assistant? Are there any particular tools or techniques or templates that you use that are more specific for the assistant part of your role? Yeah, the concept is very simple that I use, and that is to visualize my workflow. So I use that concept as a start with every team I work on. But for myself, it's very helpful to have one view where I understand what is going on. Usually that is email, but sometimes I need to utilize an actual project management tool. So we use a tool internally called ClickUp. And all all I do there is what I plan on Fridays, I have my email, I schedule any emails that I need to deal with the following week, and I plan out which days. Some things can be done on the Wednesday or Thursday of the following week, but some things have to be done on Monday. So email tends to be my primary visualization tool of what I need to do. And I spend a lot of time in email. For the things that don't fit in email, like key projects that my leaders are working on and I need to be on top of certain parts of those projects, I use ClickUp. And all I do is I have just a task that says, 
what I need to do. So whether it is attend so-and-so meeting and capture notes and book follow-ups, that's it. Then I know I have to be on for that little thing. And then I just keep an eye on both my email and my ClickUp on a daily basis and make sure that I've achieved the things that I want to do. Some things require a little bit more intense activity. As an agile coach, I do spend quite a bit of time with individual members of my team coaching them. But in order to do that, I need to understand who needs the time and prioritize who I'm going to spend more time with. So sometimes on a Friday, I'll need to actually sit out and map out, okay, I spent some time with so-and-so this week. I should spend 30 minutes with them next week. And I use my ClickUp to to just enter that. And then I decide which day that goes. And then I go back to my calendar and I put a block in my calendar to do that. Visualizing the workflow looks like using my email effectively, using the project management tool effectively, and using my calendar effectively, most importantly. Yeah, is that's fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. It doesn't have to be overly complicated, does it? I know it, you've got a few tools there that you use extremely well, and sometimes that's enough. There's so many collaboration tools and software available, but I love that you've just got a few that you've mastered and that you use. I think that's really important. Yeah. And once in a while, it's important to pull out of all of that and take a bit more of a longer term view. And what that looks like is once a month, I'll sit down and I'll look at all of the projects that I've been working on. And I usually have this mapped in a tool called Miro, which is an online whiteboarding tool. And these are all the things that I'm responsible for. And just taking a moment to think, how much time did I spend in each category over the course of the last month? How much time do I need to spend in the coming month? Looking at my calendar, is this realistic? Are there things I need to let go of? Are there things I need to say no to? Are there things I need to spend more time doing that I didn't get to in the last month? Spending once a month in my planning session on a Friday, doing that has proven really helpful. That's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. I know people will be taking notes. (laughs) I so appreciate that. If there's one thing that you knew about the assistant role when you first started your career that you now know, what would that be? I think the most important thing I would say is things don't always go according to plan. And you can be the best planner. You could be, you could start every single day with a plan and it will not go that way. Actually, it's more often than not that things don't go to plan. So I wish someone had told me that is okay, that things don't go according to plan. In fact, it's actually part of the job that things don't go according to plan. And I have to learn how to adapt to it. So does everyone else. There are, when you work with even a handful of executives, their priorities change frequently, but now add on an entire team and then add on an organization, then add on the macro picture, then add on people's entire lives, personal lives. There's no way the plan that you walk into work with on a Monday morning for the entire week is going to go according to that plan. So you have to understand how to balance that reality. I think there'll be a lot of people nodding (laughs) to you saying that. I wonder how you go about 
because it sounds like you from everything you've said you very much are a planner and it would be it sounds like the plan that you put in place for a week if it went well you'd probably ended up ruling the world so it sounds like you've kind of got everything down so what happens when things don't go according to plan for you what how do you mitigate that it can be frustrating but the reality is that when something changes you have to adapt the easiest way for me to deal with it is make sure that i do have a plan in place actually starting with not planning and assuming that it's futile to plan because things are going to change is not a good is not a good place to start so i make sure i continue to do the planning and make sure i continue to keep in focus all the things that should be kept in focus on a regular basis because then when something comes up i know exactly what needs to be adjusted in order to do the thing that has come up or i know what can be adjusted it makes it a little easier and it gives me a bit of a sense of control knowing that i can look at my calendar that has been blocked and say okay i honestly can't do this today like i planned and it's okay it can take a couple more days so i'll move this here and then i'll move this from my calendar elsewhere I also go with the philosophy that that I've learned from agile mentors and that is planning is essential but plans are useless. And if you treat the plans that you have planned as useless because they're going to change anyways then it's okay. It's okay that things change. Yeah, I always say as well if you've got a plan in place when things don't work out having that plan in place is easier to get back to it. once everything's gone down at least you've got a starting point you can go back to which i always find useful as well exactly mm-hmm. as you said it, it don't not plan anything because <laughs> plans don't always work out so there are lots of stereotypes around the assistant role and it's something that assistants still tend to have to work around those boundaries or try and push through them so i wonder if you've ever experienced that in your career and what you've done to move those stereotypes and boundaries in my previous company it was a tech company i was working as an executive assistant to the co-founders it it was a wonderful role and they were great to work for i did have a lot of opportunity there but the biggest stereotype i had to learn to cope with as an ea there was that i'm not just a doer of things that other people don't want to do that i have a strategic skill set and often see things that my leaders don't see and it, and perhaps i didn't utilize those skills as much because i often doubted that for myself and when you're in an environment where other people feel that you're just the the secretary or you're just the person to give tasks to it's often easy to feel that way yourself and i often did feel that way but i moved into this role because it sounded like they were looking for someone who did have more of a strategic mindset and did want to find ways outside of the traditional role of an EA so when i found that there was that opportunity i was clear that's what i was looking for and that's what i wanted and i was clear during the interview process and then when i started with my leader i was clear i'm very strong in the fundamentals but i'm more passionate about being able to come to you and say this is a problem i'm seeing here are a couple ways to solve it or here are people that you should talk to that can help you resolve these problems and i didn't feel like i had that latitude in my previous role that i do now so the stereotype that you and i are just 
the people to hand off tasks to is often where people start, especially if they don't know what you're good at. I had to work really hard to showcase my skill set and be loud and talk. And again, I'm very lucky that as a man in this industry, I have a lot of confidence in speaking my mind and speaking my voice and being heard and making it that way. But I do realize that's not the case for everyone in this industry. So I do understand that there there is a bit of a power dynamic that I have that others may not have. Was there any, when you were going, when you started to step away, I know you said that you were headhunted, but I wonder when you decided to move away from your role at Starbucks and decided to move back into the assistant industry if you had any pushback around or any conversations around being overqualified or why any kind of derogatory comments around why would you want to go back into the assistant role I just wondered if anything like that cropped up no actually it didn't and the one of the leaders I ended up being the assistant for he was the one who insisted that the recruiter look at Starbucks managers. They were looking for an office manager who could take this big office and make sure that it was serving people and that the office was always clean and taken care of. We had 100 employees at the time, that they had a safe and healthy place to come to work, that there were tasks that were being done. There wasn't an EA at the time, so I did play EA as well. There were tasks that were being done that no one was doing. And usual things like the place was clean, the snacks were stocked up. And these were all things that I was doing at Starbucks, right? So it did start with, these are, there are transferable things that I had. The one part of the Starbucks experience that I felt was looked over was the business acumen and the learning about people. But then I did find ways to incorporate that when I became an EA and I was lucky to have that opportunity too. Are there any changes that you'd like to see in the assistant industry going forward? Yeah, trust. I would like to see an increase in trust both ways between a leader and the assistant. It's a very lonely job. Even to this day, I find it. And I do have peers, but it still is a lonely job because there are things that you have to be mindful of saying. There are things that your leader trusts you with and my leader trusts me with. That, that I need to be mindful of. It is a lonely job in that there, there's a lot of responsibility. But one thing I've been grateful to have is this back and forth conversation with my leader on a regular basis where he knows my life, I know his life, I know how it impacts both of us. We can have an open and honest conversation without me needing to fear for my job. He knows everything that I work on. I know everything that he works on. So I'd like to see more of that kind of a relationship. And it's one that I don't feel like I've had before in my career. It's pretty unique to my current role. So I'm grateful to have had that. But I know that's not something that always happens. And I know that's not something that happens with everyone, even in my peer group. Was there conversations that you had around the interview process in your current role that made you realized that was going to be the case that you were going to have that kind of trusting relationship was there anything that you asked maybe to make sure that was the case or did it develop over time a bit of both the the interview process is quick and it moves very quickly and I was trying to get the role but I was also clear about 
you know, I was in a role that I was happy with during the interview process. So I wasn't going to move unless it was an opportunity to implement some of the skills that I didn't feel like I was being able to use. So I used that opportunity to be honest about what I wanted. And that was more of a strategic role in the organization, working with my leader and more of an opportunity to apply some of the project management skill set and more of an opportunity to learn. And that was something they were receptive to and they actually adapted. So after the interview process, there was one opening, but they hired two of us and they gave me an opportunity to work on a team that did have more of a, a project management need, being the marketing team. And I got to have that kind of from day one. And then as I worked in that role, I got the opportunity to regularly ask for more responsibilities that were along the lines of what I wanted to do. And when I started showing that I was good at those things, then those opportunities were something that they started to offer to me. My leaders started to offer to me. So it took, it started with the interview process, being open and honest about what I wanted, listening to what they wanted as well, and then slowly building the trust by actually doing meaningful work. Yeah, that's, it's a, it's a great way of looking at it. Be honest and upfront in the interview process and then go into it, proving that you can do the things and wanting to do the things that you've asked. I think that's really valuable advice. Before we wrap up, I like to have two questions and I'm really excited about asking you these because you've already touched on some of them. But I wonder if there's some technology or apps or websites or software that you use that you couldn't do your job without. Oh, frequently. I love using technologies and there are new ones that pop up all the time. So as soon as someone mentions, actually, I'll start with the basic. I can't live without my email, I can't live without Slack, I can't live without my calendar, and I can't live without ClickUp, our project management tool. Everything. So are I you do, Google or Microsoft? Google. Google. Okay. Yeah, I love <laughs> Carry <Google>. on. <laughs> we actually switched from Microsoft to Google. And I the thing I love about Google is the search functionality. And I love the search functionality in every single tool I use because I'm constantly, if someone asks me a question, I like to have the background context and the search function helps to find that in various places. So there's there there's the existing technology, but people often use different technologies at work. So if I'm walking by and I see on someone's screen something that I haven't seen before, I'm not afraid to ask, hey, what's that you're using? It could be a, a whiteboarding tool or a different project management tool that people use. And I like digging in and learning how they use it and what is impactful to them. And then I go and I find that tool and I try to use it. I try to see what's exciting about this tool. So constantly using, solidly relying on the technology that I like to use and that's worked for me, but also trying different things. And what's your favorite at the moment out of the new things that you're trying? Is there anything that you think will make it into the toolbox? There's one that has that I've relied on regularly. It's called Miro. It's M-I-R-O. It's a whiteboarding tool. But it I use it for everything from planning to just collecting my thoughts on a regular basis, coming up with a roadmap for what, what all of my prior, priorities look like over the next coming little while. And I even use that to feed things into my ClickUp, into my project management tool. If I've built a roadmap, and when I've come up with the tasks that fit into that roadmap, I've moved that to my project management tool. So that has become a pretty big mainstay of my day-to-day. 
brilliant. And then are there any events or books or publications or websites or training programs that you can recommend to our listeners? Yeah, I, books. I rely on a lot of books and a lot of audiobooks regularly. If you have a public library where you are, they likely have a an app and ours has an app that you can borrow audiobooks on and regular books, but I rely on that to to learn to pick new books. Books I would highly recommend Getting Things Done by David Allen is my Bible for getting things done on a regular basis. There are other books I love listening to and going back to. Carol Dweck's Mindset is a very important read for me. Uh, Amy Cuddy's Presence is a very important read for me. And then I've read a few books on the new EA. I think that's the title of that book. It's Building Strategic Relationships with Your Leader, The CEO's Secret Weapon. I think that's Jan Jones. I can't remember off the top of my head. And a few other books here and there. I would highly recommend those. And then each book will send you down the rabbit hole of something you're passionate about. So chase that rabbit hole, whatever, if something speaks out to you, find out something about that. I like to go on my library app, and if there's a keyword that comes up in a book I'm reading, I'll look that up and I'll find a new book, and then I'll put that on hold and listen to that when I'm done with my current book. I love that you've given a shout out to public libraries there as well. I just, I'd like to underline that very much so, because particularly in the UK, they're disappearing. So yeah, absolute big shout out to public libraries. They're fantastic. As you said, particularly around audio books and things like that, when you're, you're not necessarily wanting to keep the book or you go and buy it afterwards, it's, it's an amazing resource that we don't take advantage of enough. So thanks for sharing that. That's brilliant advice. Before we round up, one last question for you. And I wonder if there's one thing that you're most grateful for that your assistant career has given you. I mentioned there are a few things I'm grateful for, but I'm most grateful for the people that I've gotten to meet and work with in my career who've trusted me to build my career. So the leaders I've worked for, and then the peers that I've worked alongside either at my companies or across other organizations in EA networks I've been in. I've been really grateful to meet people who've trusted me and allowed me to challenge myself and build myself an actual career. Sean, thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. And honestly, there are little bits, golden nuggets throughout this interview that I know people will be following up on. So for now, thank you so much for your time. It's been a real joy. Thank you so much for speaking with me and letting me share some thoughts. And I hope that at least something can be helpful in here to you. Thank you so much for listening to the EA Campus podcast. We would love for you to take a minute to subscribe to the EA Campus podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. If you could give us a review, we would so appreciate that too. If you want to check out the show notes, you can do that by going over to the eacampus.com forward slash podcast and take a look at everything we discussed. You can also find all the links to the resources, articles, and tech that we mentioned during the show. 
If you want to join the conversation inside the EA Campus community, you will also find all of the information on the EA Campus website. The community continues to grow and we have an amazing group of assistants sharing their careers. We have ongoing events and training for our members and we would love to see ambitious and career-driven assistants join us. Thanks for your time and I hope you tune in again to the next episode of the EA Campus podcast.